Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. There are people who want to steal that joy. There's people who want to take yet that freedom that you have in Christ. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle to get you back under the bondage of the law. And that what was, that's what was happening in the book of Galatians. Today we're in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to look at this battle for your soul. The Bible tells us, and John's, or, or Paul's going to tell us, that there is a war between your flesh and your spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh against the spirit. And these two are contrary one to another, so that you, would not, you do not do the things that you would. There's this battle that goes on continually. Not only is there a battle within you, there's a battle against you outwardly. There are people who would come in and teach you things that are contrary to the Word of God. There are those who want to bind you under legalistic rules that make Christianity a burden rather than a blessing. And that was happening with the Apostle Paul in the, in, the, uh, in the area of Galatia. So he's writing these churches and he's saying to them, look, don't let them put you under bondage. You're free from the law. You don't serve God because if you don't, you'll lose your salvation. You don't serve God in fear of the law. You're not under the law. The law doesn't bind you. The law doesn't control you. You are serving God because you want to. Now, if you look at a, a legalistic Christian and you look at a spirit-filled Christian and you look at them from the outside you might think, hey, it's the same thing. This guy over here goes to church every week. This guy over here goes to church every week. This guy reads his Bible. This guy reads his Bible. This guy prays and this guy prays. This guy, uh, this guy witnesses and this guy witnesses. This guy does the things. They look outwardly the same, but there's a huge, huge difference. This one, the guy that's under the law is only going to last a few years. And then he's going to say, forget this, I can't do it, the church is filled with hypocrites, I can't be there, I can't live that way, they, they're just, they, I, I can't do those rules and regulations. There's a frustration, in fact, if he doesn't drop out, what he'll do is he'll start criticizing everybody that doesn't do it every, exactly the way he does. On the other hand, there's this guy over here, and he's happy. He likes being in church. He likes praying. He likes, he likes doing the things of God. He loves telling people about Jesus. They look the same on the outward, but there's a huge, huge difference. And it's this person over here, this group over here, that causes the world to look at Christians and say, ah, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're all a bunch of phonies. And Paul knows that. And Paul wants to, and Paul's addressing that issue. In Galatians, he's saying, look, you need to understand, you started out good, and now things are, you're being led astray. He doesn't even know who it is that's leading them astray, but he's writing to them and saying, look, don't allow your soul to be pulled back into bondage. 
Don't allow your soul to be under the bondage of the law. Serve the Lord in liberty, and he's going to tell us how to do that. In fact, he's going to answer several questions. First question he's going to answer is this. If I'm saved apart from the law, then what prevents me from living in continual sin? And people will ask that. You've been asked that question. If I'm saved, then what prevents me from living in continual sin? Well, I want you to know this, that when you get saved, there's something that changes inside of you. The Bible says you're a a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away, behold, all things have become new. God changes your want to. You get involved in, you may sin, you may do some things wrong, but there's there's a spirit of life inside of you that makes you want to do what's right. And so your one-two changes, but we'll get more into that. Second question he's going to answer is, how do I overcome the desire to live in sin? Because we all still live in a flesh that wants to do wrong. So if it's not just by keeping a bunch of legalistic standards, and Paul doesn't say, hey, we should just go out and sin, that grace may abound. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, he says, God forbid, that's not what I'm teaching. So how do I overcome the desire to live in sin when I am Uh, if I'm saved totally and completely by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Third question that's asked oftentimes is, is someone that is truly saved capable of committing sin? Am I able to sin? If I'm really saved, man, I, I said I asked Jesus to give me eternal life and then I went out and I told a lie. I, 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 I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and then I went out and man, I, I, I started using foul language. I thought, well, I thought that was going to be gone. Is someone that is truly saved capable of committing sin? And then number four, is the law something that we should despise? Okay, if if we're not saved by the law, do we despise the law? Do we hate the law? Paul already addressed that in chapter 3. He said, God forbid, the law is good. But it's not given to us to save us. It's given to us as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And we're there with Christ now. And then number four, do Christians get away with sin? So, hey, now I got a free pass. I can go do whatever I want to. I can live in fornication. I can live in sin. I can do whatever I want to. Do Christians get a a free pass? How many of you, just by a raising hand, have ever had anybody ask you any of these questions? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, if you talk about the Lord at all, you're going to have people ask you questions like that, and you're going to have discussions about things like that. The, what, what does the Bible say? Now, let me make it very clear. The Bible tells us we are all sinners. The Bible says because of our sin, none of us deserve to go to heaven. The Bible tells us that, that because, because God loves us in spite of our sin, God wanted our sin to be paid for. He's a just God, and therefore he couldn't just say, oh, well, I'll forgive them and let them go to heaven because I love them. No, our sin has to be paid for. The wages of sin is death. So what God did was God became a man in the person of Jesus. He came to this earth so he could die to pay the penalty of our sin in our place. He paid for all of our sin, every sin that we would ever commit. He died for our sins. He was buried three days later. He rose from the dead. He was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. And then he went back to heaven. Now he says, if you want to get to heaven, you can't get to heaven by being good, by going to church, by being baptized, by doing anything. Uh, Paul's going to talk about circumcision. You can't, none of those things are going to get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you to heaven is by coming to Jesus and admitting, yes, God, I'm a sinner. I believe you're God. I believe that you died to pay for my sin in my place. You were buried. You rose from the dead for me. And I want to ask you to save me. 
When I ask Jesus to give me eternal life, I'm admitting there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'm asking him to give me eternal life. Boom, he gives me eternal life. I become a child of God. That is the moment of conversion. That is a when in your life. There's got to be a time in your life that you look back at and you say, I did that. And when I did that, you may not know the exact day or the hour. I don't remember the day or the hour or the, the exact date. But I re- I'll never forget the event I, that I bowed and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're God. I deserve to go to hell. You died in my place. Were buried and rose from the dead for me. Please give me eternal life. I'll never forget that. Those weren't the exact words, but God knew my heart, and God knew I called on him. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Question today is this, when did you do that? When did you do that? Were you five years old? Were you 25 years old? Were you 30 years old? Were you 50 years old? Did you do it last week? When did you do that? Because there's got to be a when in your life, because that's the moment of conversion. And when you called on Jesus... He gave you eternal life. That happened to these people in in Galatia. And and now he's writing to them and saying, look, you got saved. You became a child of God. And that was totally and completely by grace through faith. Don't add works to that. Don't think you have to add something to that. You got saved by asking Jesus to give you eternal life. And that's all you need to do. That's all you ever need to do. You are a child of God. Don't add anything to that. Well, then the questions, these questions come up. Well, if that's true, then can I continue in sin? Do I continue to live in sin? How do I overcome the sinful desires? Why do I still have these sinful desires in my life? Paul's going to address all of that. And he's going to give us this great message of hope. And it's the same message that you and I should be delivering. We are messengers of God to deliver this great message of hope to those around us. And so, since we got there, let's say our, our, let's, uh, say our theme t- together today. Let's say this again. We've been saying this every week for the last five weeks, so let's say it one more time. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. That's a little early in the morning, so some of you weren't very enthusiastic about that. And maybe some of you read that for the first time. So let's try it one more time together. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. That's where Paul wants you to stay. That's where Paul wants you to live, understanding that you've been delivered and you have the freedom now to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ. We are messengers with this great message. He's told us now you are set free from the bonds of the law. Don't go back under bondage. So we're going to look at what he says in chapter 5 verse by verse this morning and I think it'll open our eyes to some greater truth. Father, help us to take the truths that are here. Help us to apply them to our lives. And Father, I pray that when we leave here today, Father, if there's someone here that's not saved, I pray they'll get saved today, putting their faith and trust in only you. And Father, I pray for the Christian who is battling with the flesh and battling with the law. God, that that'll be pushed away. And Father, you will just show them a new freedom that's in you and what it means to walk in the Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. First thing I want you to see this morning is the defense of your freedom. Look in verses 1 through, we're going to read 1 through verses 12. That Paul says this, now that he says you're free, stand fast therefore, he says, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That is, you need to understand your freedom. Now that you understand your freedom, don't let anybody pull you into bondage. Obviously, during this time, there was somebody who was teaching, look, the reason you're battling with sin, the reason you are fighting with your flesh is, is winning, and the reason you've, you've fallen into sin is because you haven't been circumcised. You're, you, as the leader of your home, haven't followed the laws of God that, that were that the ordinances that were given actually to Moses and to Abraham as a covenant relationship between Israel and Abraham and his, and his descendants. You haven't followed that. We have nothing to do with that. But they were saying, you haven't followed that ordinance. You haven't done that. And if you'll just submit to that, God's blessing will be upon you. And you'll be able to overcome this sin that's affecting your family and affecting you. You'll be able to walk in victory if you'll just start implementing in the churches the the ordinance of circumcision, and if you men within the church will follow this ordinance, then you're going to have the blessing of God. And Paul is writing and saying that is not the case whatsoever. In, verse, in verses 2 through 11, he says this, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall not profit you anything. Listen, what he's saying, he profits you nothing. What is he saying? He's saying, I, a Jew, I, a circumcised Jewish man, am telling you that if you do this, you will be, you, you, Christ profits you nothing. He said, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. If you follow that part of the law, you've got to follow everything in the law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of, of you, you are that are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. These are amazing statements that he makes. For, for we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. He talks, he changes the pronoun here. He doesn't say you anymore. He says we. He says we that are saved, we are waiting for the hope of of the Spirit through faith. What is he saying? He's saying we don't keep the law in order to have victory over sin. We wait for the Spirit of God by faith to produce in us what we could never do in our flesh. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye, will, ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who's teaching you this garbage, is what he's saying. He's nicer about it. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. We didn't teach you this. Uh, God didn't teach you this. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I'm afraid of this because you put a little bit in this, it's going to affect the entire churches, all the churches that are there. Then he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will, you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you, 
shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. He's saying, wow, anybody that's teaching that you need to add circumcision to salvation, God's going to judge him. God will judge him. Whoever he is, whoever's teaching this junk, God's going to judge him. He says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, obviously there were people who were teaching that Paul taught this. This is what Paul taught, that you need to do this. He said, if I still taught circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. If I did that, then nobody would be offended with what I'm saying. I'm saying you're saved by grace through faith, that we're all sinners, that Christ had to die for us. And if, if, if circumcision does anything, the, 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 the offense of the cross is gone. He said, I, were, I, I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. He said, I want them out of the picture totally. Now, look at what he says. This is amazing. He, said, he says, Christ, if you add this ordinance to your life, Christ profits you nothing. I'm telling you, if you add any bit of the law to your salvation, Christ profits you nothing. It was, what in the world, why in the world did Jesus go to that cross and die on that cross if you could do anything to get yourself to heaven? He goes on to say, you have become, you make yourself a debtor to the entire law. The whole, you have to obey all of the law. If you start saying, well, I'm looking at that guy and he doesn't look like he's saved uh, because he doesn't do it exactly the way I do, then you need to understand you're putting yourself under the law and you better be obedient to all of the law. He says, number, number three, that Christ is of no effect to you whatsoever. If you add anything to your salvation, then Christ is of no effect to you whatsoever. He uses this term, you have fallen from grace. Oftentimes, people who teach that you can lose your salvation if you sin enough, use this term. The Bible says in Galatians, you're fallen from grace. And what they say is just the opposite of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you've come to a point where you understand that, that you are saved totally and completely by putting your faith and trust in Christ. You understand that's how you get saved. And, and then you've got somebody coming along telling you, you've got to obey the law you need to understand you make a choice because if you choose the law, then grace is not yours. You never got saved in the first place. You are, you've walked away from grace. If you're, act, if you're saying, I gotta add something to my salvation, I gotta add something in order to maintain salvation, I gotta prove that I'm saved by doing certain things. No, you have fallen from grace because you're trusting your works instead of, uh, instead of the grace of God to save you. And he says, don't let that happen. It's so important that we understand. God, Paul says some very harsh things about those who would teach such stuff. He says, I want God to judge them. I want them to be cut off. It's amazing what he says. Wow. Don't add anything to your salvation he defends the freedom. He says, you need to understand, you are absolutely free from the law, period. Your dependence on the law does not come from me, he says. It comes from false teaching. So he says, stay away 
from the false teaching. Well then, okay, so I'm saved by grace. Should I, I can just do whatever my flesh wants to do. I can just go anywhere I want to and, and, and say whatever I want to and live in fornication or live in, in all sorts of immorality. In fact, today we have people who misuse this whole concept and say, well, you don't understand. I'm a homosexual, but I am saved. Or, or, or I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm living uh, in, in, in adultery, but I'm saved. And they'll say what Paul said, that, hey, I'm just going to continue in sin, then the grace of God will be more known, and, and, and the grace of God will, be, uh, will abound because of, of my sinfulness. And Paul says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not the case whatsoever. He says in verse 13, look at verse 13 through 15. He says, this is the purpose of your freedom. Here's the purpose of your freedom. We are freed from the law not to serve self, but to serve others. We are freed from the law not to serve self, but we're here to serve others. He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not, this is your choice, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. Now, he's going to get really deep into this truth. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even, th- even in this, here's the word. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, listen, if we're doing what this says, if, if, if we're doing what God says to do, if we are allowing the Spirit of God to produce love in us, then the law will be fulfilled in us. We've got to understand that when we got saved, before we were saved, I had a body and a soul. My spirit was dead. And so what I did was what my flesh wanted me to do. The soul, the real me, was, was living in this body. And whatever my flesh said do, I went and did it. Whatever my flesh said, you, I want this, I want that, my soul said, okay, that's the only satisfaction I'm going to get out of life. That's why the Rolling Stones wrote the song years ago, I can't get no satisfaction. But I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. That's bad English, but it's great theology. that's all that we that's all the lost man does but when you got saved the spirit of God came to live inside of you and he's going to go into deeper truth about this the spirit of God came to live inside of you when he came to live inside of you he came he made your dead spirit come alive now you are in the spirit you have the spirit who brings with him love and now you make decisions not based on what's going to satisfy me, but you base decisions on loving people. And you do for God because you love Him, and you obey the commands of God, not because you have to, or God won't be pleased, you have to, or you're going to lose your salvation, or you have to in order to be saved. No, you do them because you love. God changes, changes us from the inside out. This I say then, or he says, for the, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Then he goes on to say, 
But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. Why does he say that? Because here's what happens, James. When I look at somebody and they're not doing it the way I think they ought to do it, what I do is I bite and devour them because I'm not walking in love. I say, that, that guy's not doing it right. That guy's not doing it right. John, they're not living right. They're not doing right. They're not living the way I think they, and I, 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 I'm not walking in love. I'm doing, I'm trying to obey the law. The law says to do this, and they're not obeying the law, and so I want to rip them apart, get them. It's like the guy, you're just going down the road 65 miles an hour, and that guy on the motorcycle goes by you at 85 miles an hour. Not only that, he cuts you off. He almost kills everybody. And, and you think, get him, get him. But you don't want to be got when you're going 78. See, we're biting and devouring one another. The purpose of your freedom, Paul says, is this, that you might serve one another and serve one another through love. And when you're serving one another through love, you're not going to bite and devour one another, and you're not going to rip apart anybody else. When you're serving one another in love, you're going to naturally keep the commandments because He's working in you. Somebody comes along and says, well, I don't care. I, don't, I just do whatever I want to. Then there, you can have a right to look at them and say, may not be saved. Because if you're saved, the Spirit of God is moving in you to do that which is right. Then he goes on to say this. He, he not only tells us the, the purpose of our freedom, he tells us, and I love this, this is where he gets down to the meat of the issue, the key to freedom. He, what are the keys to freedom? We've got to remember, first of all, we've got to remember, first of all, that we all judge different people from, uh, we all say that certain sins are okay and certain Sins are not okay. Well, this is not as bad as this is, this is not as bad. God doesn't do it that way, but we have a tendency to do that. Remember that Paul addressed that earlier when Paul said, look, we're not sinners. We Jews are not sinners like those Gentiles, like the heathens. We're, we, we, our, our sins aren't the same as those, those Gentiles people. I mean, they, don't, they, they do terrible things. It's, it's like us saying our Baptist sins are not like, like, like their sins over there. My, my, sin, a little sin, my little sin of uh, overindulging in ice cream. Yeah, you can equate to that as a Baptist. My little sin of saying, okay, I'm just going to have one or two scoops, maybe three. I'll just give me the gallon. That, that, that sin, that's nothing like it's nothing like, like drunkenness. These drunkards, these, these people that are involved. My, my, my little petty thing, that's nothing. No, the Bible says they're all the same. There's a, there's a battle in your life. We, we, we look at the wicked, wicked people out there in the world and we say, look, they're involved in, in drugs and they're involved in immorality. All we do, I have a little bit of pride. Somebody doesn't recognize me at church and I might get lifted up in pride. But that's not as bad as what they do out there. Paul said, look, we have a, we have a tendency to say they're, we're not as bad as they are, but all sin is sin and it separates us from God. And we need to understand that. And we make judgment from human eyes, but God makes judgments from holiness. And all of our sin was paid for by Jesus Christ, and we need to understand that. 
So he says, look, how am I going to overcome, how am I going to overcome this, this, these desires of my flesh? What's the purpose? Look at verses 15, or 13 through 15. The Bible says this. For brethren, you've been, you've been called into liberty. I'm sorry, verse 16. It says, for this I say then, how do I overcome this flesh? What's the key? This I say then, walk in the spirit. Oh, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Do you ever feel this? Do you ever experience this? And these are the contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So I got this battle going on inside of me. My flesh wants one thing, the spirit wants another thing, and I'm right there in the middle. And I got this battle going, man, eat that, uh, drink that, no, no, serve him, don't, don't do that. We got, we got this battle going on back and forth. So how do I overcome that? By getting circumcised and following the law? No. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. So the key is this. The person that's led of the spirit is doing the same things that are the law, the person that's bound by the law. The difference is He's surrendered to the Spirit, and he's enjoying his life, and this guy that's under the law is bound by the law, and he hates the fact that he has to do these things. He's trying to control it all himself. And Paul says there's a huge difference. You cannot control the flesh by keeping the law, but you can control the flesh by being controlled by the Spirit. He goes on, and he says, now, let's look at the works of the flesh. In verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling. Boy, there's quite a list there. Here we are. And such the like, as I have told you uh, in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He makes it very clear. But the fruit of the Spirit, hey, wait a minute. Well, how do I overcome them? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there's no law. Wait a minute. When you walk in the Spirit, there's no law that's governing you, but the Spirit governs you. So let's take a look at this, okay? The works of the flesh. What are they? He says adultery and fornication. He says uncleanness. That's immorality of any kind. Well, uh, and, and this is just filthiness of any kind. Idolatry, which is heresies. Uh, uh, worshiping false gods. You've got variance, which is debate or contentions, fighting with one another. It's your fault. It's my fault. Blaming, blaming, always playing the blame game. That's the work of the flesh. Emulations, that's jealousy, that's hatred. There's, there's wrath. There's, I, I'm angry, just constantly angry. 
This is all the works of the flesh. Uh, seditions. The idea of divisions and strife and constantly fighting, bickering with people. Envying. I want what you have. Murders. Isn't it interesting how he puts those Baptist sins right in with the, with the, uh, with the wicked people's sin out there? Envying right there next to murder. Wrath right next to murder. Reveling. That's rioting and carousing. It's out there just living out there, just carousing, causing trouble. I, uh, years ago, our church was very small, and we used to take camping trips together. There'd be about 20 or 30 couples that would go out camping, and this is what we would do. We would leave here on Thursday evening, my wife and I would, because everybody else worked till, until Friday evening, and we would go to Zion National Park. And we went to Zion National Park, and we would, uh, we would, we, there was a, a section called Section C up there, and we would go up there and we would, uh, we would reserve. You couldn't, you, you had to go up there and reserve a table for you. You had to do it right there on, on the campground. So we would go to every, every camp area in Section C and we'd reserve it under different people's names. And we would, we would put them all out there. So we would have 20 or 30 spots and then on Friday night, they were all reserved on Friday night, then everybody from the church would come up there and we'd have this whole area packed with Baptists. Uh, and, uh, you know, which are, would be quiet and nice, civil people, right? You would think. And so we would, uh, we, we would do that. And we did that for two or three years in a row. And, and we would we'd, we'd have them all, we'd have them all, and... and uh, then the people would come up on Friday night, and then the noise would start. It would go on, and the people, people all around would be complaining about those rowdy people. I don't know who they are over there, uh, but they're all causing trouble. They're always they're causing, it's noisy, it's crazy, it's reveling and rioting and carousing all, all out there. And then they found out who we were, <laughs> a bunch of Baptists in Mormon territory. And so, um, and uh, so... If you, go to, if you go to Zion National Park today, to that area, you'll, you'll find there's regulations there. Two of those regulations were made for Liberty Baptist Church, <laughs> things that you cannot do uh, because of us being rowdy. Anyway, so uh, uh, there's uh, reveling, rioting, and carousing. So, and then he goes on and he adds to that, and such like, such like. He said, look, these are the works of the flesh. Now, how in the world? These are things that all of us uh, face. In fact, we're told elsewhere in Scripture that these are part of your flesh. These are things that are in your flesh. So how do I control those things? Well, Paul said, here's the key, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, how do I overcome fornication? Well, try this, temperance. Where do I get temperance? Temperance is self-control. Where do I get temperance? I get it from being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Not by trying to keep the law, but by, by, by being controlled by the Spirit of God. And then uncleanness. How do I get rid of unclean attitudes and a, uh, 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 actions in my life? How, why try not goodness? Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. How do I get rid of idolatry? How about proper faith and understanding the faith, which is the fruit of the Spirit? How about variance? How do I get rid of this anger and this debate? How about long-suffering? That's a fruit of the Spirit. 
How do I get rid of emulations? How about love? How about instead of jealousy, I genuinely love people? Because love is a fruit of the Spirit. How do I get rid of wrath? How about joy? How about replacing it with joy? And where do I get joy when I'm mad? From the, from the Spirit. Uh, how about how do I get rid of divisions and envy and, and strife? Try peace. Where do you get peace? It's a fruit of the Spirit. How do I get rid of envying? How about meekness? Instead of uh, meekness is just is saying, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll serve what you want me to serve. It gets rid of envy. Where do I get that? I get it from the fruit of the Spirit. How do I get rid of murders? Maybe gentleness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. How do I get rid of reveling and rioting? And maybe, again, self-control. That comes from, which is temperance, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And such like. How do I get rid of all these things? Maybe love. And that's what Paul is saying. It's not the law. It's the love of God. It's God working through me that makes it possible for me to reflect Christ. So outwardly, this person that's under the law looks like he's the same as this person, but there's a whole lot of difference. This person's going to keep serving the Lord. This, this person's going to keep loving the Lord. This person's going to be in church, not because he has to, but because he loves the Lord. Where did that come from? He surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. This person's going to be around other Christians and, and be ministering to other Christians. Why? Because he loves them. Where did that come from? From the Spirit. Not because the law said, take care of your brothers. This person's going to read the Bible. Not because the Bible says, read the Bible, but because I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to find out from God. This, person's going to, this person over here is going to pray. I'm going to do my, my prayers three times a day. It's on my knees, uh, facing east, and uh, I got exactly what I, that's what the guy under the law is doing. This guy's saying, I, I know God loves me, and he wants to give me what I ask for, and I, I need to ask him. And, and so he's going to go, and he's going to ask daily. And sometimes it's a duty. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a delight. But I'm going to do it because I love the Lord, and I want to do what he wants me to do. There's a total difference in why I do what I do. And Paul says, don't let yourself be pulled under the law. The reason I don't do is because the Spirit of God is in me, and He's living through me, and He wants to produce victory in me. And so don't let yourself get pulled under some ritualistic law. Serve God because the Spirit of God is in you. And if you don't know God, then invite Jesus to come into your life. And when Jesus comes into your life, he'll give you a desire to do what is wrong. Now, will that desire, look, will the desire to or do what is right, will that desire to do the wrong thing be gone? No, because you live in a flesh. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8.23, your flesh is not saved. Your flesh is not redeemed. In fact, it's not going to be redeemed till the rapture. Then the Bible says that will be the redemption of our bodies. When you got saved, your, spirit, your soul was condemned. Your spirit was dead, but your spirit was made alive because the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Your soul was made righteous in the sight of God, but your body still sins. And so you have this, you have this, you have this flesh, spirit, fight going on continually. And as you surrender daily to the Holy Spirit of God, then, then the fruit of the Spirit overcomes the work of the flesh. And that's how you live victoriously.
So what's the process? And that's the next thing we want to look at. What's the process? What do I do then? Paul ends up by saying this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry, but in verse 24 it says, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. What's he saying? There's three things that he says. Look, so now you understand. You can try to serve God under the law, try to do all the things, and what you're going to do is wind up condemning everybody else and, and criticizing everybody else and saying, hey, that person's not really saved, and that person's not really saved, and I don't know whether I'm even saved, and you're going to be an unhappy Christian. But if you'll walk in the Spirit, then you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and you won't be doing those things, but you're not going to be condemning everybody else because you're going to realize the Holy Spirit's working in their life. And you're just going to walk in the Spirit, and you're going to have this, you're going to have this freedom in your life. You're going to have this joy and this peace and long-suffering and gentleness. You're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and though you're not going to be perfect and you're going to blow it, when you do, the Spirit of God is going to convict you that that's wrong, and then he's, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth. Does, does, do Christians get away with sin? No. Whom the Lord loveth, he chastened, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And so as a son of God, you'll be chastened, or a daughter of God, you'll be chastened for doing wrong. You'll not get away with sin, but, but you don't lose your salvation. He just draws you back through his love, his conviction, and his chastisement. The Bible even tells us this, that a Christian can... can walk so far away from God that God will take him home physically so that his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord. So how do I, how do I then, if, 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 that, if the key is walking in the spirit, how do I do that? Well, here's what he says. He says, daily die to the flesh. That mean, Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice every day. You say, okay, God, this is the altar. I'm putting myself on the altar, and I'm saying I'm yours, God. I give myself to you. My flesh wants to do all sorts of things and go all sorts of places and say all sorts of things, and I need you to control me so that it doesn't have control. I, I die to self. I surrender to you. That's a daily process. And then number two, he says this. If you're, he says, uh, if, if you live in the Spirit, then let us walk in the Spirit, determined daily to surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. And how do you do that? You just say daily, you, you, first of all, you surrender your mind, and you say instead of letting ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, and every other perverted thing on television to tell me what I should think or what I shouldn't think, I think I'll get into God's Word and let God's Word tell me what to think and how to think. Can you say amen to that? So at least, I mean, I'm not saying you can't watch any of that uh, filth, uh, but, but I'm just saying that you ought to get some good stuff first before you get into the garbage. So, uh, so daily surrender to, to his thinking and get his thinking instead of, instead of your thinking and then just say to the Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, I do this every single day. I get down before the Lord and I say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I need your control in my life. Please control me. I pray that you control my tongue, help me to praise and thank and glorify and honor and bless. Help me not to complain or grumble or backbite or judge or blaspheme. Control me that I might honor you and show you. And Father, help me to, to I, I just need your total control in my life. I surrender to you. So you die to your flesh and then you surrender to the, to the control of the Spirit and then you daily determine to serve others. 
because you love him and because you love them, I want to serve others. And then you're not, at the end of the day, you're not saying, oh, all I did today was serve. That's all I wanted to do today. I just want to serve other people. I want other people to know what Jesus is like. And you have the privilege every day, in whatever capacity, whatever situation you're in, you have the privilege of showing people what God is like. Paul said, don't go back underneath the flesh. Don't go back underneath the law because you're going to wind up fulfilling the desires of your flesh. Surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. Die to your flesh. Surrender to the Spirit of God. And then let Him put in you a determination to serve others. And you will win. You'll be the victor. You'll not be the victim. You will win in this battle for your soul. Father, I pray that you help us to take this truth, help us to apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here that's not saved, that right now they'll get saved. And I pray, Father, if there's Christians here that are battling with the flesh, Father, they'll surrender to you right now, and Father, they'll begin a process of doing that day by day. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.